0: Well, it's a joy to be with you tonight. Good evening to you. I hope that you are well. Uh, my name is Doug McNutt. I'm the president of Trinity Center for World Mission, but more important than that, a missionary, and I've always wanted to be a missionary, and that's uh, it's a great joy that I have, to work in Africa with our brothers and sisters. Let me open us up tonight with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the gospel which is spreading throughout the whole earth. We pray that the knowledge of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the seas, Lord. And so the glory of your name would be lifted up. That when we pray together, hallowed be thy name. It would be coming true in Africa, in America, and everywhere, Lord. That the knowledge of the Lord would pervade. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Trinity Center for World Mission was founded in 2013 um, as a ministry primarily first focused on church planting, and a number of presbyteries were planted in Uganda. About 16 churches were planted between two presbyteries. But at a certain point, Dr. Pete Anderson, the founder of TCWM, said, I realized we were planting churches for whom there were no pastors. We were starting churches and building churches for whom there were no pastors. There was a real crisis of leadership in Africa. There was explosive growth. 600 plus million conversions over the last 120 years in Africa. My friends, it is no longer the dark continent. It is, it is neither unknown, or, or, nor is it true that the light of the gospel is there. In fact, it is a light to the world these days. There are African missionaries being sent to America. There are African missionaries being sent to the 1040 window, to many places that we can't even go. There's a great light shining forth from Africa. But with all those conversions and with that explosive revival growth, what do you think the number one need was that then came with all those new converts? Of course, biblically trained pastors shepherds elders and leaders right these are essential to the work of the gospel now when I was church planting in the state of Utah for a decade I remember as I was first an apprentice under a more experienced church planter and uh, he was an established pastor by then I would apprentice with him for one year and then go out and, and plant a church which I did but at the beginning I told him I said you know, I'm going to plant this church with converts only. I'm not going to be like these other church planters, you know, who might steal some sheep from there, steal some sheep from over here. No, mine's going to be all converts, 100%. And that's how I'm going to build the church plant. And uh, he was an older, wiser pastor, obviously. And I said, you know, Doug, here's just something to think about as you go about that plan is that you might want at least a few other mature believers there with you to, you know, just to help you disciple all those new converts that you're going to be getting. Okay, yeah, I'll think about that. Uh, He had a point, didn't he? And that certainly proved to be true over the course of the church plant. Uh, Leadership is essential. Trained leaders, and especially pastors, ministers, ruling elders who can shepherd the flock of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of God is spreading in Africa. I believe your theme this weekend is the knowledge of the Lord, and it is spreading in Africa for sure. I want to give you a statement about that, but then I also want to give you a challenge tonight to ask about the knowledge. I'll ask the question about the knowledge of the Lord here and now, the here and now, the knowledge of the Lord in this room. And our text for the evening comes from Jeremiah chapter 31 and verses 33 and 34. Please uh, follow along with me as I read from God's Word. I'll I'll start on the second part of verse 33. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. I had a brief career as a pyromaniac. A number of years ago, I owned a property in Alabama and I began to cut trees and burn piles in the back and I I had made an agreement with my wife that at any given point, I would not light more than three large bonfires at a time. Well, on a particular Saturday, I was just getting into it, I suppose, and after lighting through, I said, well, what's the harm in just a, a fourth, sort of a sort of a three and a half over here, and then that turned into a fifth, and then before I knew it, I had about three acres on fire. And the fire chief made a comment to me. He said, um, after he had come with his crew and do, done what they did very well. Uh, he said, you know, you're trying to burn all this, right? I said, yes. He said, this is Alabama now. Do you have a lighter? I said, yeah. He said, well, just get, go ahead and give it to me. I'm just going to light the rest of it on fire here, and we're going to burn it all down, and there was there was a lot that burned that day in my backyard. Fortunately, not my house or my wife and children, There's a a good number of them. I have five children and a beautiful wife named Kelly. I wish they could be here with us tonight, but uh, they're at another church this weekend. Um, Fortunately, they were okay. But the true knowledge of the Lord, this is the truth, and hopefully this is an encouraging uh, statement to you. The true knowledge of God is spreading like wildfire, is spreading like wildfire. At the last pastoral conference that I was at that we were holding um, in Tanzania, in this case, I had a, a pastor who had come from a Pentecostal background, and he had come through our program. He was one of our top students. He was now Reformed, having received this great classical Reformed theological education. And now he was doing teaching for us. He had sort of come over and uh, this man was a bastion of great doctrine now, but he could reach the hearts of the people. And I saw him standing there with another a group of about a hundred Pentecostals in a room, and he was explaining to them the doctrines of grace in rural Tanzania, right, <laughs> giving them the five points of Calvinism. And I thought to myself, now that is something that the knowledge of the Lord is not lacking; it is going forth. It is spreading like wildfire, not only in conversion, but also in growth and in great teaching. With TCWM, we have seven training sites in five countries, Uganda, Kenya, Rwanda, Burundi, and Tanzania, and looking at expanding into two more. One of them is accredited. We have a campus in eastern Uganda, and we're bringing up another campus in Rwanda and Tanzania as well uh, with accredited programs that we have there. To see these pastors be able to have their dream of going to seminary and of taking that knowledge that they learn and spreading it out to the people. I remember one student standing up at the end of a class that we were holding on the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity, and he said at the end of the class, I mean, very forthrightly, he said, I've been teaching heresy for 20 years to my congregation on this matter of the Trinity. But now that I've received this knowledge, I'm going to go back and give them what I've learned. So you can see the, the mass and multiplied effect of that, right? If we have a hundred pastors in a room together and we're talking together and learning about the doctrine of the training, now they go home to their churches of a hundred each. You've just affected 10,000 people, right? So the knowledge of the Lord is spreading like wildfire in Africa. Here's a little challenge for you. In our Kenya location, we have a student a couple years ago, I met him there And uh, he would come up to me and he would say, I'm 95 years old. I'm 95 years old. And everyone confirmed it to me. He had been in the pastoral ministry for over 60 years. He was sort of a father of that area spiritually. And he had labored all that time, planted many churches, preached all this time without ever having seminary education. But now, when the opportunity came, he jumped at it. It, he may have had to wait till 95, but he jumped at it to receive what? More knowledge of God. And if you ever read the book by J.I. Packer, Knowing God, are you familiar with that book? If you have, you learn there that knowing God is not the same thing as knowing about God, right? We're not just talking about facts, but we're talking about Facts combined with an experiential knowledge of God. It's not less than facts, but it's more than facts. It is an experience of God. It is a, a faith in God, a receiving of that knowledge, letting that knowledge change who you are from the inside out. And when you have that, you actually thirst for more. I remember uh, my mentor at Covenant College, a beloved professor of mine, uh, Dr. Henry Krobendam. And him talking about his first pastorate in California at a small OPC church. And after laboring there for a couple years, one of his elders was converted. Uh, that's always a good thing when you get the, when you get the elders converted, you know. And uh, the elder came to him and he said, Brother, I used to, that Bible used to be so just dry and dusty to me. He said, but now I can read it by the hour. I can read it by the hour, and I am absolutely sure that there are some in this room that that Bible is dry and dusty to you. And it might be, might be your problem is you need a conversion. The famous converted uh, historical criticism scholar, Edelinemann in German, said there's nothing a good old-fashioned conversion can't cure. That's true. That might be the problem. It might be, prob- it might be a problem number two, you've lost your first love. You have the facts, but the experience of God has waned in your life. But look to that Kenyan pastor who took the opportunity at 95 to enroll in Trinity Biblical Institute because he wanted to add, keep learning, his knowledge of the Lord, right? How about you? Even when maybe you reach 95, I'm sure I won't reach 95, but if you reach 95, will you still be growing in your knowledge of the Lord? Isn't that a challenge to all of us? It's, it's, you know, for pastors, for all of us to keep growing in your knowledge of the Lord. And then you can do what? You can do what Jeremiah says. And I take him to be speaking of the day of the Lord in the ultimate sense where after, after he recites this beautiful line that occurs from Genesis to Revelation, which I take to be the theme of all of Scriptures, I will be their God, and they shall be my people, he says, And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. I'll forgive their iniquity. I'll remember their sin. No more. He speaks of that day that's coming surely after Christ returns when you won't need to spread the knowledge of the Lord to to pagan fields or to your next door neighbor who's agnostic. Or you won't need to encourage another believer who's, who's lacking in the knowledge of the Lord or is discouraged because they don't know what God is doing right now. You won't have to do any of that in that day. Because they will all know him perfectly in that day. We, are, are, we see as through glass darkly now, but then we will see clearly. Then we will see him face to face. Then we will know in full. Now we know in part, but then we shall know in full, right? That's a glorious day we look forward to, right? But what's the implication? The implication is until you reach that day, you need to instruct your neighbor saying what? Know the Lord. Have you instructed your next door neighbor saying, know the Lord? Your brother, even, even your fellow Christian, have you taken someone under your wings to disciple, just like the Apostle Paul commends the, the older women to disciple the younger women in church? The men, the, the elders and others to, to take New converts and to disciple them, to teach them the knowledge of the Lord? Are you instructing your neighbor and each your brother, saying, Know the Lord, know the Lord? That's what we want to do. That's what we're trying to do in Africa until the Lord returns. And we'll do that in every country that God opens up to us. And we certainly appreciate your partnership with us in that. We've been able to see God do amazing things. And we see the words of Jeremiah fulfilled, as it were, more and more, more and more, as we instruct our neighbors, saying, Know the Lord. Finally, one day will come when all within the bounds of glory, all within His kingdom, will know the Lord in the new heavens and the new earth. What must we do now? We must teach at church the whole counsel of God, as Paul said that he had to the Ephesian elders, right? We must teach the whole counsel of God. We call it Trinity Biblical Institute. Trinity, you know we're Christians, we're not Mormons, right? Trinity, Orthodox Christians. Biblical, we teach the Bible Institute. That just means we're serious about what we do. Um, But Biblical. Teach the whole counsel of God. We teach the pastors there. And I've always tried to do this in my preaching ministry and teaching ministry from the day that I started. Is to never skip over anything. Even a hard passage. To, to try to preach sequentially through books. Exegetically to give people the knowledge of God. To give them the whole counsel of God. That's what we must do in church. Day in and day out. Week in and week out. We must personally instruct our children in the knowledge of the Lord. Otherwise, you lose them. Otherwise, you lose them. Even, if somebody brings them. even if somebody else brings them back later, you lost them. Because we haven't instructed them in the knowledge of the Lord. I, I have five. I know how it is. Busy schedules. We just sort of maybe assume. We assume that uh, hopefully they read their Bibles. We assume, hopefully they got some good lessons in Sunday school and then youth group. But are you taking the time, are you taking the time to instruct your children in the knowledge of the Lord, to spend time with them one-on-one and to disciple them in the knowledge of the Lord God? I, I pray that you do. I pray that you do. Maybe it's a, a new start with that this evening. Take the knowledge of the Lord and you pass it down to the next generation. We must also instruct the unconverted around us to know the Lord. Paul cries out in Romans 10, How are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? Rhetorical question. How are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? Whether that's us trying to send missionaries over into Eritrea that have been trained at our seminaries, underground missions program, or whether it is your uh, next door neighbor who has moved in from another country and has a different background and does not know the Lord. Maybe someone who grew up in church and thinks they know everything there is to know but doesn't know the Lord. Let each one instruct his neighbor and each his brother, saying, know the Lord. I want you to take that phrase with you, know the Lord. Instruct them, saying, know the Lord. Instruct your children, saying, know the Lord. May instruction come from the the pulpit and the Sunday school classrooms. Know the Lord, not just know about Him, but know Him experientially. The facts, also the experience with God. That is true believing, that is true faith. And it convicts all of us. There's a problem that we sort of realize when I lay out these things, right? We realize to teach properly, to instruct my children, to evangelize my neighbor. Wait a second, there's a problem, pastor. I'm lacking in knowledge myself. I am lacking in knowledge myself, perhaps. Well, from that conviction, we have something to run to. We... We understand where we are deficient. Maybe there's a lacking of theological knowledge. Maybe there's a lacking of experiential knowledge. Have we been instructed and now possess the full counsel of God and a biblical worldview? It says in Jeremiah 31, 18, I'm going to add to it. I have heard Ephraim grieving. You have disciplined me. This is Israel. This is the people of God crying out. You have disciplined me, and I was disciplined. Like an untrained calf, bring me back, that I may be restored, for you are the Lord my God. As Jeremiah speaks to his people, he doesn't speak to condemn them. He speaks to convict them and to do what all the prophets were trying to do, which is to bring people back to the knowledge of God, not just the facts about God but knowing God, knowing God. That's what he's trying to do. And the Lord's discipline at times comes upon us, his conviction, and it brings us back to the knowledge of the Lord. By the atonement of the blood of Christ, you are forgiven. By the sanctifying power of the blood, you are freed from the power and desire for sin. And by the authority of the blood, you go forth, right? You take your lighter and you spread the knowledge of the Word of God. The first Muslim that I ever led to Christ in Africa was a young man that I met when we were on a mission. And as I began to speak with him, we were in the street first. It was sort of an adversarial conversation that we were having. You know, he was... If, if, you, if you witness to a Muslim, they're very, uh, they can be very hard against you in conversation. And he was bringing up arguments, and I was bringing up counter-arguments, right? And I was trying to win the argument. That was my approach at first. I have to defeat this Muslim theology. That was my approach at first. But then, at some point, something clicked in my mind, and I realized what I was, what I was actually supposed to be doing, which is going after him. And I asked if we could... Our, our time was sort of running out on the street. I asked if I could come to his house later. And he said, yes. So he invited me to his home. There was a small round mud hut. You opened the curtain and you went in. You sat down in a circle inside. He said, about half of my family here on the benches are Christian. And about half of us are Muslim. Um, but what did you want to say to me? And at that point, I began... To plead with him to come to Christ. I began to share with him the love of Christ, uh, what Jeremiah says in our scriptures For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And I began to lay out for him how he could come to Christ and be forgiven of his iniquities and his sins. None of them would be remembered anymore. He would be forgiven, cleansed, restored renewed in christ and now part of the family of god as i I was speaking he began to weep and he said i've in fact known for some time that this was true but today i'm ready to receive it now and i want to give my life to christ and it was at that point that it dawned on me that the knowledge of the lord the knowledge of the lord It's not primarily for the sake of winning arguments, but for winning souls, but for winning souls. Sometimes you can win the argument but lose the person. For sure we defend the faith, but we have to take the knowledge of the Lord as Jeremiah gives it to us and take it out, instruct our neighbor, know the Lord. Instruct our children, know the Lord. Instruct our people, know the Lord, just like we are in Africa, know the Lord until the day comes in the new heavens and the new earth where no longer will we have a need for each one to instruct his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that your knowledge comes to us from your word afresh tonight. I pray for each a member here, Lord, that you would bless them afresh with that conviction that their sins are forgiven in Christ. And therefore, there is a fresh invitation, no matter what the past is, no matter what the failings, no matter what the struggles are, maybe the lack of experiential knowledge of God lately. But through discipline and through your word, through your love, you're bringing them back to that. You're bringing them back to center. That their iniquities are forgiven. That their sins will not be remembered because of the blood of Christ. And that knowledge, that knowledge of the gospel changes us this morning, this evening. And then we take that knowledge out also to our children, to our brothers sitting next to us in the pew, to also our neighbor. Know the Lord. Know the Lord. Know the Lord. Thank you for this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.